Welcome to episode 60 of Cyclops is Waiting for me in X-Men, the animated series weekly recap podcast. I'm JC and you can find me on all social media at the John Carl, J-O-H-N-C-A-R-L-E. We haven't done that in a long, long time. Oh yeah, that's a good point. So and I'm Rod and you can look me up. I'm not consistent on social media nope. as far as my handle. So it's either Rod Kim or Rod Kim Rocks because every once in a while, another Rod Kim claims the handle and then doesn't use it at all. And then I can't have it. But I'm a musician, songwriter, so if you see something related to music and it's Rod Kim, that's probably me. You know, that would be the one great use for an NFT is when you create a screen name for the first time, uh-huh. it basically guarantees you that screen name across every new platform as it develops. Uh-huh. That would be amazing. Yeah. Nobody's going to do it because it's a great idea, yeah, right, but exactly. it would be amazing. Well, you know, recently, who that have been really useful for is, you know, Karen Gillan, Doctor Who, and she was Nebula. Yeah, yeah. Or is it Gillan or Gillan? Either way, you know, the, the lady that was Nebula in the MCU yeah. and some character in Doctor Who, and I don't know who because I don't watch that show. So she joined TikTok. Yep. And she had to do like Karen Gillan 100 or something because someone took the original one. <laughs> Which makes her sound like the fake one. Yeah, and also TikTok wouldn't verify her. So she was going on every day saying like, TikTok, it's me. <laughs> and she's like, I ha- it says Karen Gillan 100 because someone else took it. It's me. And I, f- I forget how long it took, but it took several days, maybe weeks. And then one day, like, she finally got the check mark. He's like, yay, it's me. And then eventually she got the original screen handle back because whoever got the username didn't use it. Mm-hmm. So they were able to work that out. But now I kind of don't want regular content because the content of her trying to get her screen name was so entertaining. Yeah, you're like, I don't actually care about your TikToks. <laughs> I just want the struggle of you trying to get your TikTok verification and username. So funny, yeah, because it's like, this is like a Hollywood, you know, arguably an A-lister, you know, that can't get her own screen name. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. Don't don't ever call Nebula arguably A-lister. She yeah. will kill you. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, she's A-lister to me. I just always really careful when I claim these things online. I don't even have thick enough skin to like deal with the smoke of people like coming at me of the reasons why or why not they don't agree with me, so. As you can tell on Cyclops is waiting for me is TikTok where I don't argue with anybody. It's true. You literally <laughs> you literally just repost and then check in every now and then. Yeah. I'm like, hey, that's crazy, guys. Okay, good job. Cyclops is waiting for me <laughs> is our weekly podcast series where we're going back and watching every single episode of the original 1992 X-Men the Animated Series in their original intended script order, building up the release of X-Men 97 coming to Disney Plus later this year. We're counting our days now or months. We can't count until we know what the actual start date is. Exactly. What are you counting? Are you just, did you just start on January 1st and you go one? Yeah, I also don't count very well. I'm a musician, so I count to four. So True. I just have to keep restarting. You just keep, right now, are we at three or four, Rod? <laughs> Some quick reminders we're a recap show about a series that started over 30 years ago. There will be spoilers. And if you don't want it spoiled for you, pause the podcast, watch the episode, and come back or be a sociopath like our buddy Joe <laughs> Russo, who doesn't even watch the episodes. We will do our best to avoid mentioning anything about future episodes that have not come out yet. Except there's one thing I'm going to say in two episodes that is not a spoiler, and that's the only thing about future episodes mm-hmm, I'm going to okay. allude to. We are currently not sponsored or affiliated with Disney or Disney Plus in any way. Don't forget to follow us on social media at Cyclops IWFM Pod on Instagram, TikTok, like I mentioned, Twitter, and Facebook. And of course, make sure to follow us on all your favorite podcast services. And finally, we record these episodes in batches right now. So if we're reacting to any news about the upcoming series, We'll be a few weeks behind. And I forgot this for the last episode. And spoiler warning, if you haven't seen Ant-Man Quantumania yet. Skip 40 seconds. So I only recognized this mid-credit teaser because of our Beyond Good and Evil series. Immortus 
made a cameo in the mid credits of Ant-Man Quantumania. So I was kind of excited about that. It's like, I actually like recognize something from the show, the animated show. Right. <laughs> because I remember when we were going through that episode, you guys were not sure it was Kang and I was the one that revealed it to you yeah, guys. Yeah, because you like you somebody said it as a joke and I kind of like stone faced you guys. And, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because even I was I was like, was that supposed to be Kang? <laughs> I was very proud of you guys. <laughs> very but, proud. But the, you know how I noticed they got the outfit so like on. Yeah. With on Jonathan Majors. Now we are on to the show. Today we're gonna be talking about season five, episode two, titled The Phalanx Covenant Part Two. As mentioned, this episode also aired back to back with the previous one on September 7th of 1996. And this one currently sits at an 8.1 star rating on IMDb. <laughs> I love that's higher. <laughs> that one is interesting to me because I feel like a lot of the two part episodes, part one is the stronger one because there's usually a little more character building and exposition and such. And there, you know, it's, it's respectable. It's within a few points of each other. Mm-hmm. But this one going higher, I actually don't agree with it. Like I actually yeah. think if I was going to score them, I would put them the opposite way. I would say it's still a great episode. Like, yeah. you know, I'd give this like a 7.9 or something like yeah. that. Or like the same. Or the same, yeah. yeah. But Because if anything, this is kind of winding down. Yeah, so episode kicks off, starts at the tower, which we know is, is the spire as the ship flies over it. In the ship, which is Sinister's ship, they are trying to get a response and they're trying to radio anybody. And they don't know if it's being blocked or if everybody has already been taken over by the phalanx, which, you know, obviously from a worldwide perspective, they don't think that it's everywhere yet, but they also don't know how infected the world was before New York. Oh, that's true. Yeah. How long has it been here? Yeah. I like that the infection starts in New York too. <laughs> solid, well, solid. I mean, it, the the crash site was not far, so it, yeah. it makes sense. Also, anybody that spent time in like Times Square and stuff like, yeah, this would be where sickness would start. Yeah. They keep experimenting. They confirm the rates of conductivity having a massive factor in it. Sinister pontificates that the reason that his lab was attacked is because it was the largest storehouse of mutant genetics on the planet. You know that he loved to be able to insert a humble brag in there. And it's also the (laughs) creepiest of the humble brags, too. Yeah. Like, I got a whole wall just Cyclops semen. I've been looking for an excuse to say that again, by the way. I figured you're, you're, you would. You're was, welcome, Joe. <laughs> I was really we're, trying to avoid giving you like, that. We're like teaming up on that. <laughs> so the direct, the, what you just said is you and Joe Russo are teaming up on Cyclops semen. Yep. So they also established that the phalanx is trying to learn to assimilate mutants, which makes sense why after attacking Sinister, that the mansion would be the next spot because of Cerebro, you also have the next largest collection of information about mutants, even if it's not the biological level of it. Yeah, and access to get more information. Yeah, so they know that they need a lab. They figure what is the safest one for us to go to. Obviously, Forge's lab is is compromised because they already knew that the base was compromised. Mm -hmm. So they travel to Muir Island. And they 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 do what I said I would do if I were a beast situation, like we're gonna go to an island in Scotland. Yes. That is some Rod Kim shit right there because it's isolated. You jump back to the tower and you see Wolverine tied up. And I think this is where we actually get the one plot hole of the entire two episodes. We know the reason why they want to discover more about Wolverine is that his healing factor is what is preventing him from being assimilated. Mm -hmm. And they believe that if they could crack his healing factor, they can assimilate any mutant. We know 
Sabretooth has a stronger healing factor oh. from the Weapon X Lies and videotapes episode. That's true. And also, they could have probably just gotten some form of it from him anyway. Sabretooth was assimilated. Mm -hmm. So if they already got through Sabretooths, why did they need to get to Wolverine? Because they needed to have a plot device recycle the footage from the first episode for this one because saban <laughs> needed an extra yacht yeah but again <laughs> we, we we say all this with love yeah. but i was like wait a minute we've said that he's stronger and this is why i don't envy a marvel editor or a dc editor mm -hmm. because this is you know a series of 70 something episodes and they had to keep all that canon straight yeah imagine doing that when you're the leader of the X desk, which oversees all the X-Men comic books. I can do it. <laughs> and you're you're literally keeping continuity for 50 years of content. That is wild. Yeah. Actually, actually more than 50. They're almost at their 60th anniversary for the X-Men. Jeez. And, you know, it's not like the early days. Early days of Marvel, you had, you know, you had the X-Men book, you had the Avengers book, you had the Hulk book. Now, literally, there are like seven X-Men or 12 X-Men books a month coming out. So just try to keep that continuity straight. What's that? It's a similar thing to that joke for like politicians need to be changed over frequently for the same reason you change diapers. <laughs> Get full shit. Thank you, Rod. <laughs> yes, I know. Just in case there's any listeners that are like me and needed this explanation. <laughs> just like, I would have paused the podcast and then looked it up. But yeah. Wolverine is tied up and you get the formal reveal, quote unquote, that it is Cameron Hodge. He was such a like minor character in that mm -hmm. Genosha episode. And the Genosha episode was season one, you know, and he makes a reference that his association to the mutants in Genosha cost him an arm and a leg <laughs> and that the phalanx fully helped him recover. Then there is the like before it was called ASMR, ASMR moment where as he's like moving, there's gooey squelching oh. noises. And I don't suggest you go back and listen to them because <laughs> it's fucking disgusting. And Rod, please rip that audio and make a TikTok out of it. Okay, <laughs> I'll try to remember. Yeah. That, I think that's a like a minor artifact of the 90s too, though. I know slime has always kind of been a thing with kids. But, but GAC. Like GAC and Nickelodeon. I mean, they literally, they it. sold it to us in a capsule that would make a particular noise yes. as you were fucking with it. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, that was a weird image. We were that. Nope. <laughs> nope. Nope. And but and then there was like the variants that weren't quite slime, but still made different types of noises. Remember Floam? Floam didn't really make but noise it, unless you ripped it. It was a crunching thing, so it was like a different. It wasn't the squishy stuff, yeah. but it was it was all this like tactile with like weird noises. It was more. It was more like a Velcro noise. Yeah. Yeah. So that was just something. It, all all of that shit right now is just like fucking dust or rocks. That's. That shit did not age well when air got to it. I think it, I think it was Pixel Dan. It was one of the toy channels that I watched, and they opened up TMNT ooze. Yeah, don't recommend doing that. It. I mean, I haven't done it myself, but it was like it's it split between like the water and the side. Oh, like, <laughs> okay, great. That's like twenty five years old at this point. But yeah, Hodge continues saying, you know, Wolverine's healing factor is making him extra resistant. So they're going to instead go after his superconductive skeleton and use that to examine him from the inside out, which has really fucked up connotation on that. Not only is it like absorbing you, it's experimenting on you and learning. Like it's not just you need the Hodge head to be able to perceive stuff. It's like, oh no, there's like stuff that's just gonna be a part of his skeleton 
and they can literally just learn from the tentacles being in there. We should have had Russo on for this episode. No, we shouldn't have. Because this has been the point where he started to start reading from the Get Out screenplay. No, no, no. He, he, that's where he would have gone on to OnlyFans. <laughs> okay. But yeah, there's a, a similar like body snatchers kind of. I mean, they're already you know assimilating yeah. humans and stuff. But this is the reference I made in the last episode about Colossus. Like, oh, what would be worse? Having your outward part be assimilated first and then be trapped inside or to have your inside assimilated and your it's awful no matter what it's awful we see they're on Muir Island they're doing some experiments and Beast gets really really quickly frustrated at one of the experiments that's going and at first my reaction was wow he's he's really frustrated really quick but also I, I then thought about it it's like oh it's because they don't have time to fuck around. This isn't yeah. like, you know, somebody who's who's fighting a slow spreading disease. This is like everything is fucked in four days. Yeah. And he probably hasn't slept in like two days or something, right? That's I mean, point. we we don't even know if this is like Maybe they flew it, to it may be the next day, but yeah. I mean they're on a supersonic jet, yeah. <laughs> so like it could maybe it's been thirty six hours straight that he's been dealing with this shit. Yeah. And the the time just keeps ticking down. Mm-hmm. So not in her superhero duds, we see Amelia, who I, until he said it, I was like, wait, why do I recognize that character? That character is way too dr- like drawn with too much detail yeah. to be just a background character. Yeah. And then of course, you know, there's the quick mention of who, it, who she is. And it's almost one of those moments that I wish Professor X was there. Right. Because she throws subtle shade, where it's like, oh yeah, going back to what I, what I was doing this for in the first place. I also love that it's a lab so so far, maybe they'll become more. It's run by like two of his exes. Yeah, there are two of his exes in <laughs> the same together. lab together. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you know Banshee's hitting both of them. Right. So pop outside and a infected seagull arrives and this like taps on the ship and then the entire ship starts to glow. My heart wants that seagull to have come from New York so that this like disgusting rat bird has <laughs> Infested something in Scotland. America know. ruins everything. I, I I feel like if it was from New York, it should have been a pigeon. That's true. Also, it those fl- are the true rat birds. Also, had flown over the Atlantic Ocean. <laughs> yeah, but it's a phalanx bird, so it's able to do that. Oh, I forgot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Phalanx birds. birds. <laughs> yeah, those are the rules. Back inside, Banshee asks, "Is this a computer virus, or is it like a cold?" And they say it's essentially both. And the way that they need to deal with it is combining techniques. They need to confuse it and then smash it, which <laughs> was the most unscientific way, because they explained it in a scientific manner, and then they dumbed it down for Banshee instantly. Yeah, and I feel bad that Wolverine wasn't there to hear that explanation, because probably the first medical explanation, he's like, ah, I'm on board with that. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, I like to confuse and stab, no, no, <laughs> smash. Like I said, confuse and stab. They realize what they need to do is they need to trick it into assimilating, because it needs to be ingested into the system, and if it knows like somebody's running at it with a fucking needle, it's going to be like, mm, no. It's like how I give my cat pills, like wrap it in a fish treat. And- I was going to say dogs are cheese. So at that point, Warlock asks, well, what happens if it's successful? Oh, yeah, to his life partner. Yeah, what's going to happen to his, his life mate? And they basically say they don't know yet because they can't really experiment on it, which I get. They don't know, but they know. We know Sinister is hoping for something in particular. It's kind of like D&D where you have, they're all like chaotic, but it's like Beast is chaotic good. Well, we're going to experiment and hopefully they don't die. 
Forge is like, I don't really give a shit, but I'll experiment. And Sinister is like, I can't wait to watch them die. <laughs> or like turned into something that's like in pain yeah. and still alive. Yeah, can I watch it be in pain? <laughs> but Warlock basically says like, if needed, he is willing to sacrifice both his life mate and himself because you know, he, he has some sort of moral compass. He doesn't yeah. want this whole world to be destroyed because of what he did. And, and no he'll one own that. No one disagrees. They're like, yep, yep, that sounds right. <laughs> would, would you? <laughs> yeah, no. No, I would. Fuck yeah, yeah. Yep, you brought this here. You could sacrifice. Absolutely. I, I kind of want a beast to be like, oh, we already had planned that. Proximity alarm goes off. Is that proximity? I don't know what that word actually says. It says something, something alarm. Yeah, well, the, 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 the rat bird ship <laughs> set off the alarm. <laughs> right. So they go outside and the jet then transforms into a giant phalanx, which is fucking terrifying. Right. Um, it was kind of, it was, you didn't get to see it very long. But it almost looked like a dragon bird thing. It had like an unhuman it, head. It had the head of the ship as its head. Okay. Yeah. Okay, it looked, cool. a, it looked a little bit like, a, like an energy version of like a, like Power Rangers or Voltron villain. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. So Moira and Amelia decide they're going to go and help the patients. Good luck on that one. Sinister is, is yelling for Forge to, use the virus, but Ford doesn't want to do it just yet because they need to destroy the core as opposed to a phalanx that's on its own. Yeah. So he doesn't want to do it unless it's absolutely necessary. Because they don't know how many they're going to need. They only they say they only have like six. Yeah. So it's like... And we don't know how... Like they haven't yeah. been in the spire. Either yeah. They flew over it. They're like, we don't know. The whole thing could be the core, the right. just, you know small thing. Yeah, we need to make sure that it's connected because if they're outside of the sphere of influence, maybe it just ruins what's nearby mm -hmm. as opposed to you know like because they haven't been able to test this yet and they, and they probably don't even know how they communicate it could like signal right we were talking before recording about watching last of us you know and in the tv show they kind of it's not really a spoiler but i guess mild spoiler if you don't want to listen they established that the, the fungus is all like connected yeah through like a hive mind kind of thing through roots or whatever. I would say that is not a spoiler. Yeah, okay. You successfully did not <laughs> okay, spoil. Okay, cool. But so like that's established in like the middle of the first episode. Yeah. So you're safe. So the so in this way, like I guess even four just kind of like eh, let's not give them a heads up that this is even like in our you know artillery. <laughs> right. So they run because Moira has a jet of her own because she's rich as fuck. Right. Joe must be giving her amazing hush money. So Bancy you know, tries to intercept, gets in the way, basically does nothing. He says he's gonna like buy him time. Yeah, he he buys them 0.5 seconds. <laughs> he gets absorbed. Moira has kind of like the horror movie moment where, you know, in a almost any zombie movie, this has happened at least once where somebody sees somebody that they love get like bitten or snagged mm. and they react to it. And instead of getting away, they end up also getting grabbed on it. Yeah, like, There's a very particular scene from The Walking Dead where that happened both in the comic and on the show where he saw their kid get bit and instead of fighting through they reacted to it and that's what resulted in that yeah, that yeah. parent getting killed too but then sinister does what the audience does right because beast <laughs> beast is trying to help moira and pull her back and sinister says no and just pushes her out yeah and i agree this is like this is zombie rules man like yeah. you don't want the you don't want the infection to to get all of you because then you're screwed it, and it it fits his character, but also like further solidifies that like they're not friends. They're just trying to survive. Yes. So he's function. He's like, I'm functioning good enough for us to all survive, but not for your particular well-being. Yeah. I <laughs> end of the day, if your actions are going to put him at risk, he's kicking you yeah. off the island. <laughs> so yeah. I get that. It's like, it's like and boot. Yep. <laughs> it's not that far down. So when they get in the air, 
there's like this moment of hopelessness of like, well, where do we go now? And Amelia mentions that they have a friend at the Arctic Circle. At that point, did you actually know who she was referring to? No. I, I, was, I was like, okay, who's going to be there? I thought it was Cortez for a second. I was like... Oh, yeah. But it's like, also, she knows Cortez was a piece of shit, so why should she trust Cortez? Yeah. I was just like, it actually took me a hot second to figure it out. Yeah. So they get to the Arctic Circle, and there's a base that's under there, and they're like, all right, looks like we should blast our way in. <laughs> She's like, you guys are fucking stupid. I like that she calls it out. She's like, what has Xavier been teaching you? That's why yeah. I'm not still with this guy. So she teleports him inside. Which was startling because I had forgotten she had powers until that moment. She literally went through the vents in the Asteroid M video. Yeah, no, I, re- I remember the Asteroid M stuff, but yeah. because we had, like, she got reintroduced in this episode as, like, a lab technician. Yeah, she was, yeah, she was a nurse. And so I was, I, was like, I was like, oh, my God. Oh, yeah, you're right. She's yeah. the power person. In the middle of this big, epic base is Sad Magneto yeah. with a beard. I had Daddy Magneto, but... This is where the script order and the airing order of stuff got a little weird Mm -hmm. because he's still dealing with, like, you know, the loss of Asteroid M and then all the stuff that happened with Pietro and Wanda. This coming right after the Beyond Good and Evil is a little bit of a weird fit. And I'm, I'm sure that all literally ties into when stuff actually aired and adjustments that were made because yeah. of it and, and things of that nature. But in universe, it could be chalked up to, like you said, it could have been a year or something between the events of Beyond Good and Evil. Or, I mean, even a few months or something like that. But yeah. he was in like a depression state, mm-hmm. which I feel like he would not have been after the events of Beyond Good and Evil. I could see it before the events of Beyond yeah. Good and Evil, but obviously we know intended script order versus when stuff got produced and changes that need to be made had an effect on it. But he's in an, an awful mood aside from being <laughs> depressed called Sinister a vile creature and Sinister's, fair. yeah, I mean, I, he's pretty fucking awful, but Sinister's ready to go. That is something that would, uh, cause they yeah. were basically on the yeah. same side in the last episodes too. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, I'm putting it together now. Yeah. Yeah. Cause yeah. Cause after the secret baby episode and tricking it, no, that was the different. I'm getting my like genetic eugenic, secret baby episodes, secret baby eugenics villains and stuff all confused. Magneto specifically, you know, calls out that he doesn't care anymore after the events of losing asteroid M, and they're like, "This isn't just a group of people or a nation. Let's like, this is the whole world, mm-hmm. including your own life." And he's like, "I don't give a shit. I failed, basically." Mm-hmm. But then they mention that Pietro's captured, and that's the only thing that changed his mind. I love that he didn't like group Pietro into the whole world. <laughs> but cool. I mean, he's got the fastest kid on the planet. He That's probably true. thinks he could run away. Yeah. Oh. Unless he got trapped in an egg truck. Yeah. And then he uses his hours to grab his armor and put it on top of him. I had never put together that those were separate pieces. I thought it was one big armor plate. Yeah. Or chest plate. No, because we know that the the abs are real abs. Those are yeah. not, those are not fake abs built into the bat suit abs. Yeah. But there was a weird glitch that like his skin tone changed. He literally like looked black. Like he was mm-hmm. not regular Magneto skin tone for a hot second. There are just so many color yeah. challenges of these these episodes when we get into the later seasons for some reason. So move over to St. John's, Newfoundland. Do you know where that is, Rod? No, and also I, I was even now after watching the episode confused of why that place right i was very <laughs> confused as to what it was used for so saint john's i'm assuming near europe right if they or no, no i guess they they're, the they're in the circle, circle that's right yeah. so they're because i always get like well arctic is is north north yes so they went from 
Scotland to, to the north. to the North Pole, basically, and then it is Canada. Oh, it's in Canada. Yeah, Newfoundland is Canada. Oh, okay. Yeah. So hey, they're just like fuck Canada. We can just do it. Or I don't. I don't know what what's going on in the. Yeah, everything happens in America and Canada. And That's where it is on a map. Okay. Yeah. So it's like one of the islands. Yeah, it's one of the furthest out towards like mm-hmm. Greenland and Iceland and stuff. But you see a bunch of possessed people there. Show, and I think that was just to showcase like how far this thing is spread because mm-hmm. that's kind of a remote-ish area too. Yeah. With no the like geopolitical value for mutants and governments and stuff like that. So yeah. The seagulls got there too. <laughs> they had to stop somewhere before going over to like yep. we we need to learn how to uh, how to harvest crop. I don't know what they do there. I don't know what the thing. fish. Fit. There you go. We fish. need to learn how to fish. <laughs> so they can then absorb the fish. Yeah. Oh, that's scary. How is that scary? Well, I mean, the, the everything else is scary, but just the mad, like, I don't know, for some, because I already, fish are already, like, kind of slimy, and I don't like that. They, could you imagine, like, fish and shrimp and stuff all being possessed by this hive? Th- that's wild. So, yes. And then also whatever creatures live that we don't know exist yet. They're not absorbing them and staying in the form. They're, they're only really doing that with the humans. Mm-hmm. Everything else is just, like, merged into shit yeah or could you imagine like all those sea creatures merging into one large underwater creature i have a book that you should read okay so there are a bunch of possessed people walking around you see this one one person walking through and you realize that warlock has basically put a skin over magneto which is really cool because it's basically like he creates interference that the other phalanx creatures can't tell because they're probably not looking for him on Newfoundland. So they're just like, oh, cool. It's one of ours, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's There was something kind of, I guess it's a lot of sci-fi things where like you carry a piece of something that, you know. Image trend. That like ver- yeah. verifies you when you go in somewhere. Yeah. And so, yeah. Uh, it's called an iPhone. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> an, an iPhone with an RFID. Yeah. No. But also like kind of, it was clever, but also in real life, for me is like oh that's so wild to think that like another living being is like cloaking you in skin like literally your skin i mean that's a creepier version of it no <laughs> yeah. i mean there there have definitely been aliens absorbing into stuff that aren't techno organic that mm-hmm. are just like hey you're covered in slime and you're being registered as the slime creature yeah yeah it's awful this is all like body horror disguised <laughs> as a saturday morning cartoon they they find one of like what effectively looks like a mini version of the Spire. So I'm assuming it's like a cell phone scenario where you have the big central towers and then a bunch of offshoot towers to maintain control Mm -hmm. before it absorbs into everything. They grab a piece of it. They get discovered. Magneto wraps them up in his floaty ball and they try to to get in there, but they can't break it because he's one of the strongest mutants on the fucking planet. And I'm assuming there's there's probably some in-universe explanation of the magnetism and then the the conductivity thing. They're literally beings that react to metal and he's the guy who controls metal and magnets so there's something there yeah of all the things it definitely makes sense yeah i love how their one mistake was they were like way too slow yeah because if he just like boop okay leave no one would (laughs) but they sung there like i'm gonna look at this in broad daylight i think they probably wanted to make sure it didn't immediately go apeshit and like yeah like if it if they were halfway to the ship and it infected them in the air or something oh, like true, that, yeah. it, well, could go, it could go poorly. But it was also more so that like Warlock had like decloaked him to talk to him. And stuff. Yes. Like, <laughs> yes. Warlock, again, not that's great with soldiers. So they get up into the ship and they have the, the ball of the sample that's kind of freaking out a little bit inside his little like, you know, magnetic bubble. And it calms down before they're about to administer the virus to it. And then it turns into Cameron Hodge's head. And he says, like, a close enough facsimile or something. Yeah, so it's not actually him. 
it's the fact that the phalanx has chosen to take that persona you know because he's basically the ambassador for genosha now he's the ambassador for the phalanx to, yeah. to to earth and he was like you know the informant yeah for the mutants or of the, of the mutants yep yeah i mean he he says that he was the one who abducted the life mate and then he gets a little bit of his own flashback that after Genosha, he specifically joined a UFO task force for the government, which I'm assuming just operates out of the same location as Forge's X-Factor oh, wow. base. Yeah, it was right um, next door to Forge. And he was the one that let them know that they should worry about absorbing mutants. And then this is where shit got dark <laughs> because he literally says that this is the final solution to the scourge of genetic mutations. There is no way that that was an accidental phrasing. Yeah. And he, I, I hear he said that life will be cleansed. Yeah. And, and even Sinister is like, oh, that's enough. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There would, it would be the absorption of all organic life because it's imprecise and it leads to mutations. And there would be no more random errors, which would cleanse it, basically. Yeah. So, Cameron Hodge in the comics, let's, let's, let's divert from the show for a quick second. Cameron Hodge in the comics was originally a roommate of Warren Worthington III. Oh. Interesting, okay. So Warren was unaware that at one point he was in a group, and this is not us implanting anything. This is literally what it it was in the comics. The group was called The Right. Oh, okay. So there were a few things that happened with Hodge where he would be a part of multiple instances with mutants and stuff like that as a part of The Right. Basically cuts a deal which makes him immortal at one point. Okay. Archangel cuts his head off. The head, because he's immortal, doesn't die, gets put on top of a mechanical spider with the head. Sure. And then the there was a portion of, or a part in time, where he was trying to absorb Warlock's power because Warlock was one of the new mutants and, and on uh-huh. Earth, and then eventually gets taken over by the phalanx because he had absorbed and put Warlock's power into his body. That's a lot. It happened over the course of years, to be clear. How far back was this? Definitely 80s because of the Mutant Massacre as being one of the the key components of this time, but possibly 70s. I didn't look up exact dates. That's interesting because... But literally the right was a group of Mm -hmm. anti-mutant. They were essentially like another Friends of Humanity style of groups. Yeah, just a different flavor, the same objective. I say it's interesting because of the end of MK10 going into MK11 has pretty much the plot point of the immortal head thing. The So there's a character in it that's it's like even more than a god, like a titan or whatever. Okay. And they, you know, they're like, what do you do with an evil being that you can't kill? And the Raiden says there are some fates worse than death. And so they like decapitate him and his head is on top of like a pillar that has to like just hang there for eternity, separated from being able to move or control anything. Okay. So I was like, I wonder now. I mean, this might just be a trope, but also like I one, mean, of, the, one of those writers. That, just that trope goes back to vampirism. Like That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Like it was there. There was a version where the only way you could kill Dracula is you have to separate the head from the body and then you have to destroy the head, too. Yeah. Well, this one is even like the they. They didn't want to destroy the head because they they didn't want to give him like the satisfaction of death. Yeah. So like they <laughs> they just kept it alive. Yeah, I don't think this one was a satisfaction scenario. <laughs> this was Archangel cut off his head and didn't realize it wouldn't kill yeah, him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because Archangel had already gone full horseman at that point. Yeah. So, yeah. But yeah, so Hodge, piece of shit. Yeah, not a good, not a good person. Well, he never changes. He yep. did the exact same thing for the phalanx they did for the Genosha thing. So they 
then essentially put the virus in, you know, into the sample that Mm -hmm. is Hodge. And as he absorbs it, it turns into a brick. And then Beast immediately realizes he's killed dozens of people. Yeah. If these people can be reverted to their previous form, let's hope that blowing up their cellular structure, they could still reform with each other. Yeah, or what I'm seeing is they reform, but in the pieces. Of the exploded So, so there's just like arms and legs and... <laughs> yeah. So back at the Empire State Building, you see that Gambit's powers have been absorbed and Hodge is using his little like charging power. Mm -hmm. Thanks, Wolverine, for the help. Only thing, and maybe it was because it would have been too redundant to the Proteus episode, I feel like that would have been just as traumatic as anything else Wolverine has ever gone through. Yeah, he's he's like, I'm used to this now. And he's kind of just like, just kind of like he's done kind of scenario. And maybe it's like the, oh, he's just so hurt from all the pain kind of scenario. But it's like, for what just happened to him, I I feel like there should be more screaming. Part of me kind of wants there to be like a deleted scene where he's just nagging all the rest of X-Men. It's like, so if I was along for the mission or if I could have killed <laughs> the whole time, because we, we they established that a lot of them are still conscious while they're being trapped. Right. So he's just like complaining. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, the, the phalanx talking to itself establishes that, you know, because mutants are still complicated, they need to do it one at a time. And it's it also looked like they hadn't fully absorbed Gambit. Mm-hmm. It was more so just that like they had gotten an, into him enough that they were able to take his power, but he hadn't just been absorbed into the central yeah, nexus yeah, yeah. kind of scenario. Yeah, they only got what they needed. Exactly. So they decide they want to start with Xavier because something about his psychic powers would help them be more successful with the others. Xavier lets loose on Hodge <laughs> and he's basically like, you know, did you did you lose your humanity or did you even have any to begin with? Yeah. And it's like, of all the people you could ask that to, he doesn't care, dude. Yeah. He does not give a shit. And yet he clearly has lost his humanity because he's become part of a hive mind. You're not even sure you're talking to the part of this thing that is Cameron. <laughs> so back in the ship, Forge starts explaining the attack and we get the disappearing mustache. As far as just I didn't his, notice that. Dude. It's so funny. <laughs> if you could screen capture that and throw that onto the TikTok. Okay. As he's moving his head and like mouthing along, it's literally like certain angles, mustache, other angles, no mustache. And it's going back and forth. It's a cyborg tech, man. Cyborg mustache. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this keeps retracting. He finally perfects it by the time of Bishop. Yeah. Our head cannon is so <laughs> There we go. So basically they establish they need to get into the lower chamber and they send Amelia, Forge, and Sinister in there. They need to find Jean and Lorna because of their particular power sets will help them stay protected as they get other people out. Sinister basically is fighting at the beginning. Amelia saves Jean. Forge goes and saves Lorna. Sinister goes and saves Scott. And then Scott almost shoots his head off. So he immediately yells at him. Yeah. Which is in character for Scott, but also horrible planning on their part of who's going to save who. Yeah, yeah. That, that is on Forge, I, I feel like. That yeah. is actually not on Sinister or on Scott, because yeah. I would do the same. Yeah, because you're like, if anything, not that Sinister is like good to anybody, Yeah, but you probably would have sent sent him to someone, maybe Lorna, somebody who wouldn't really know who he is or yeah, like, less of a knowledge yeah, of who he like, is. Y- Literally, Lorna, no relationship. So it's like, okay, they put Forge there because Forge knew her. But like, no, Forge, yeah. <laughs> this is bad planning. Yeah. Because, yeah. Because yeah. if he had gone to Gene, Gene would have tried to like pop his head or something. Yeah. And also Forge, 
it would have made more sense to him go to Gene or Cyclops because they're like the like, kind of more of the leaders. Because they're like, listen, we got a game plan. But I mean, I get it. He's like, oh, this is my one teammate who's possibly yeah. left. So, but also zombie rules. <laughs> yeah. And then a bunch of Hodges show up basically to, yeah. to start fighting with them. And there's some good action in there. We don't need to get into the, the mm-hmm. specific moments aside from Scott shooting at Sinister's head out front. Magneto, Beast, and Warlock show up and go into the Force Ball, push their way through, and it's gooey and creepy and almost ASMR again. Hodge shows up, greets them, and then only because we've established it is basically a robot at this point and not a living being, Magneto straight up pops his head. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Somewhere in this interaction, and if anybody knows what I'm talking about, but I don't have enough information to be clear about what I'm talking about, I think Hodge makes... You? Yeah. You? (laughs) I think Hodge makes a 90s reference or a slogan or something that was in the 90s. Is it a blank or is it a blank? And I swear that's some sort of like slogan or catchphrase or something from something. I feel like there's some like maybe a movie reference or a commercial that was in or around that time that he referenced because he made it kind of on the side in the throwaway thing and it just activated a memory well partial memory that that part kind of got defragged but anyway if anybody knows what i'm talking about if I can this is what happens it. when you get high on tiktok you're right <laughs> so the hodges you know try to pop the bubble and i love that b says out loud make it look good oh yeah yeah so you're clear as the audience to know that like oh this is part of their plan for right. fa- the quote unquote fail yeah it was it was very much the stage play aside as opposed to like everybody heard it being said mm-hmm. in the real world yeah and Good thing that Magneto and also all the X-Men characters are Shakespearean actors because he gives this like half monologue. (laughs) They fake that Warlock is dropped out of the bubble. He starts to run. As he's starting to be assimilated, he opens the vial and the phalanx realizes it's too late. They say, we need to purge the core. Fortunately, they do not get to for them and the building starts to revert. Everything starts turning back to normal, including Hodge who cries like a little bitch. Yeah. The, well, he said, he said it's like flesh or something. Like, oh no! I, I love that it's you like, asked for the quotes when yeah. you don't write them down. No, no, it, it was some, it was something to the effect of he was like flesh. Oh no! Like, yeah. But I also like that he was like running down the street when that was happening. Like that's the place he was. I mean, that was just the I need to get away to not be infected by the virus that's yeah. infecting other stuff. So Warlock is is looking for his life mate, finds a puddle that is the life mate who reforms and is is pretty confused about everything that's going on. Wild, because essentially she just like went into a coma. Yeah. Right? Well, when you become a part of the consciousness, maybe the personality is totally lost, except for somebody like Hodge who, you know, maybe on that one is just the like, well, we're keeping his personality for the knowledge base versus who gives a shit about random life mate for Warlock in the scenario, aside from Warlock himself. And the life mate makes an interesting comment that makes me wonder if this is supposed to be a signal to how long it was. They say like 39 cycles, I think. And I wonder if that was supposed to kind of imply that it's been like around a month. I got that impression too. For for me, I interpreted cycles as days. Yeah. Yeah. So the X-Men are all reunited. Professor X makes a comment about how he's proud that everybody's working together. And Magneto <laughs> just, I agreed 100% with Magneto. He's like, this isn't like this big moment of fucking solidarity. Like yeah. everybody was only there saving their own ass. Yeah. Moira shows up. She's like, Sinister shoved me off the plane. <laughs> she 
She literally just calls on their smartwatch <laughs> yeah. to say that. It's like, Charles, don't don't trust him. Then we, you know, you get the the pseudo cartoon moment of Cyclops wondering where Sinister is, and you know, in the background, he's yeah. seen running off, scurrying. Instead of doing anything else, like fly or going something, he can't fly. Yeah, but just it's something. He there's something else other than just like running, like the cartoon character, like you said. Yeah, it was a scurry. But Jean tells him to let it go. I would have disagreed with, because she was like, I just want to go home, and we're like. Yeah, but also that's a very dangerous man. But when have they ever stopped with dangerous people? That's what I mean, though. After they've done something wrong, at least in this time, (laughs) Sinister was not a piece of shit to people except for Moira for the last 36 hours. That's when Moira calls him. He's like, why are you letting him go? Warlock wants to go home with his life mate, says he needs to fulfill the destiny to free them from the Nexus. Mm -hmm. So that gives me a little bit of an impression of there are these beings with this power, but they also aren't necessarily always this like they were absorbed into something that they didn't have control to so yeah maybe maybe it's one of the things where the absorption was a part of it but it was made stronger by absorbing his race of people or something along yeah. those lines and also that like maybe they had been indoctrinated since they were you know very young or whatever that assimilating absorbing is just like the natural thing you do yeah but you find out that it's not not necessary it's just something they can do right well he's he's obviously like to some degree he's a mutant because Mm -hmm. he is not just oh yeah yeah he's just he's not just following what is expected of his species yeah so and then it ends with quicksilver popping up and he and magneto hug which is way better for magneto than how stuff ended in the last episode they were on together yeah i was like so oh yeah he was here (laughs) no i forgot so final things that we learned about this, talked about Hodge and the just utter piece of shit he was in the comics being even toned down for this, despite getting some pretty harsh language choices for for how he's describing stuff with Final Solution, things mm-hmm. of that nature. This was actually the return of Magneto's voice actor. So remember how we talked about the previous episode that it was a different one? He was also a different voice actor in the Quicksilver and Wanda episode. Okay. But David Hemblum returned for his role for this part of the season. Well, the stand-in did a really good job because I didn't even notice. Yeah. Marvel's Bob Harris was actually marked as one of the story consultants for this, even though the concept came from work from Scott Lobdell. So Scott was, we talked about Scott in the past, remember? Okay. There was the the reference to Scott who had gotten captured. Okay. Or, yeah, yeah. yeah, and that was Scott Lobdell. And then originally, Eric had wished that they were able to sacrifice Warlock and let it be a true sacrifice mm-hmm. as opposed to doing it, hoping for the best, and then it ends up working out for him. But because they were the Saturday morning cartoon, they were not able to. Yeah, because otherwise it's like it's a little bit of a stretch to think that all of the phalanx got destroyed except for these, <laughs> especially one that was already assimilated. Right, and that I, I think that's you know, like he was saying, it's it was just you couldn't do it on the Saturday morning cartoon, even though yeah. that's it would have made his action way more selfless if he actually yeah. gave it up. So, yeah, that is everything we have for the phalanx covenant. Like I said, I remembered watching this growing up. Like this yeah. was not a revisit. I distinctly remember, and maybe it's just because. Warlock as a character is so distinctive and stands out that even if I was seeing it casually, he stood out to me. What's funny is up until I started buying comics again in like the 2000s, I never picked up a New Mutants comic until I got back into comics. Okay, yeah. yeah. I, I actually didn't remember that his name was Warlock. I just remembered his design. Mm-hmm. 
and, and stuff. But yeah, it was a cool. It was a cool concept. I, if anything, I kind of well, maybe. I mean, obviously, it, they probably don't. You come just back. gave thirty-seven qualifiers in a row. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to my personality. Just because this is the last season and things get weird after this batch of episodes, that they're probably not coming back. But I would love to see them being more kind of like the Shi'ar or something, where like more of a reoccurring visiting entity and stuff. Because right. the idea of the phalanx is kind of an interesting thing about like a being that essentially travels through like metal and electricity and stuff. It's just it's a really cool concept that they got a great little story arc here in two episodes, but. It, there was like I feel like there's more things that kind of imply that could have happened that we really need to explore. Maybe that's what they're going to do. Ninety seven. Who knows? As of right now, what has been revealed publicly, there is not artwork that contains Warlock yet. Mm-hmm. So that doesn't mean it's a no, but it just means for the original batch that was released at Comic Con, mm-hmm. there is not a design for Warlock being shown. Yeah. Although if you if they and wanted- also I would say do not look at that if you don't want to be spoiled about certain characters in the remainder of this original run of the series. Oh, yeah, because this is if for whatever reason if you got this far into the podcast and the show and you don't know like ninety seven is a direct continuation or it's a, allegedly a direct continuation. It is a direct continuation. continuation. Yep. Yeah, this is what they're claiming. We won't know until we see it happen. Thank you guys for joining us. If you have any thoughts, make sure to drop them into the comments for either the YouTube upload or the official Instagram post of this episode. If you like what we heard, or what we heard, I will stab you. (laughs) If you like what you heard, we'd appreciate a rating on the podcast app of your choosing. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, iHeart Podcasts, Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Castbox. I'm for vodka. (laughs) 